Welcome back to this 4x4 episode of the Improv Comedy Connection. It is episode 4 of season 4, and we are with Olawa Damilola Apotire Abdullai. As one of the few improvisers in Nigeria, Damilola has a very interesting vantage point on the improv world. He's got a wonderful viewpoint on how to expand the experience of improv. You may pick up on how I experienced getting to know more about him and his work. You might have the same experience, but as we were talking... I was just impressed with the depth and importance of what he's doing. That and his approach of raising up the next generation of improvisers, planting trees to adopt the analogy he used, is very inspiring. And I'm sure you'll agree, so why don't we just jump right in with the Oluwa Damilola Apotire Abdullahi episode of the Improv Comedy Connection. We, we could start at a number of different places as we were just kind of getting ready to speak, Dami Lola. I just reflected back on our first interaction, which was part of the COVID-19 summit. And it was, it was very late in the evening for you. And you went first and you said some interesting things. It was kind of, you know, we didn't get a full chance to explore, you know, what it has been like to do the work you do in Nigeria. I kind of want to start talking about that, but can you maybe start sharing, uh, just so the audience has it, with what your background is and how you first got exposed to improvisational theater? All right. Um, thank you, Wit. Um, so, hello, listeners. My name is Damilola. Um, I do improvisational theater in Nigeria. I first, uh, my background basically, I studied theater arts in university. I had my first and second degree in theater art. And then I went ahead to South Africa uh, to study applied drama and theater, Augusto Boal's work at the University of Vetwatersrand, um, the Drama for Life program. Uh, at the Drama for Life program, I became exposed to using um, games for social change and through the works of, um, of Augusto Boal, Games for Actors and Non-Actors. And then I also came in contact with Playback Theatre, which is an original form of improvisational theatre where audience members tell stories from their lives and actors reenact it on the spot. Uh, in, in, in connection to that, I, I, I noticed that that was what I've been, that's actually what I've been waiting for, or the kind of theater I've been looking for, uh, a scripted kind of theater where people can easily express themselves and then show a form of creativity. Uh, I went um, over to the Center for Playback Theater in the, in the U.S. Um, to do a course in co-training in playback theater and active conducting in playback theater. And the third one was uh, building a community in playback theater. Apart from that, I then did some personal journey mm -hmm. in terms of uh, reaching out to people who have been doing playback theater and improvisational theater and studied under them. Part of these companies were uh, the Olympic, uh, the uh, True Story Theater in Boston, Oregon. Uh, in Boston, pardon me. Uh, then Comedy Sport Theater in um, CSA Portland, uh -huh. in Portland, Oregon, um, Playback Memphis in Memphis, Tennessee, the, the, the couple of theaters all around. And then I, I also did some trainings um, in Europe, 
I was I was in London. I was in the UK. I was in um, Serbia. I was in um, about different uh, about five different countries in Europe where I uh, did workshops yeah. and study um, as the journey progressed. Yeah. So uh, presently, I I run Playback Nigeria and I do Playback Theater with under Playback Nigeria. I do improvisational theater. I also do applied improvisation and also um, medical improv in Nigeria. Currently, the only fa uh, facilitator for medical improv in the all of West Africa and not just Nigeria alone. So uh, over the years, I've grown to be part of applied improv um, network. Um, I currently serve on the board of the Applied Improv Network, and I also currently serve on the board of the Center for mm -hmm. uh, Theater. And um, today, basically, uh, I prefer, I, I really cherish um, training of teaching improv to young people. The idea behind that is basically to raise the future practitioners from this part of the world. Like I said earlier on, currently I, I happen to be the only one doing some of these forms of theater. While I do not um, zero the fact that there are a couple of Nigerians outside uh, Nigeria who are doing improv, but presently on the soil of Nigeria, my organization, which I run, Playback Nigeria, mm -hmm. runs the only improv company in Nigeria. And Nigeria is a country of two, 200 million people, give or take? Yes, over 200 million people, over 700 ethnic groups. Now, that that's a lot, Dami Lola. That is a lot of stuff that you are doing and a lot of variety to it as well. The first part of it that you shared, though, was looking at theater as a, as a tool or an instrument for social change. Was there a type of social change that you were thinking of most when you started pursuing that type of study? Um, basically, when I started uh, with my background in theater, I was basically interested in theater uh, as a tool for advocacy. So talking about children's rights, human rights, and I, I really to focus on psychosocial support. Okay. Particularly studying applied drama was to use theater, uh, improv and theater for psychosocial support. So when I returned to Nigeria in 2015 to practice, I, I started working in displaced communities, among refugees, among internally displaced persons, especially children mm. and their caregivers, uh, to help use improvisation to build communication and relationship. Okay. Uh, most of these kids uh, have been displaced for years. They've known nothing but conflict. Mm -hmm. And then they they live with internal conflict and both external conflict. And I, I, I decided to use theater. I started creating work materials and doing trainings for their caregivers mm -hmm. to help them use theater as a tool to, um, to hold conversations, to dialogue, for conflict transformation, to, for, for psychosocial support in terms of play. So it's not just about playing football. What other things can we throw football? Um, when we throw football and we know ourselves, build relationship and also build, build our, we build our communities through dialogue. So those are basically my focus. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, uh, I also use theater mm -hmm. within the classroom to build communication skills, creative thinking skills, and relationship within the classroom. When you look at the different tools 
that you have, what role does the playback theater approach versus Boal's work versus improvisational theater? You know, how do those things come together? Or are you just sort of building a set of tools to impact the, the people that you're most often working with? Does that question make sense? Yes, it does. So one of the things I do is um, sometimes I do not separate uh, the tools. Sometimes I do separate the tools. Okay. And in cases where I have to separate the tools, I had to look at what exactly is the aim of my interaction. And I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one of my activities in uh, the, as far back as 2000 and, um, um, 2015, when I returned to Nigeria, I, I used um, a, a path, uh, not the full now, um, I borrowed from the Science of Augusto Brawls Invisible Theater to create something I call the art-based march. In okay. terms of having, um, talking about violence against children, I had kids have um, different, uh, embody uh, different forms of violence mm-hmm. and then walk on the streets to really raise social consciousness about the impact of violence on children's uh, mental and physical health. Okay. So that, that was based with theater mm-hmm. and in what I call the embodied performance. Um, something I did also in the longest bridge in Africa, where I had to, uh, speaking about the abduction of the Chibok girls in 2014, in 2014. Yeah. and then uh, I, I think it was a, a year or two years anniversary of the abduction. I changed myself and then taped my mouth on a the longest bridge in Africa, which is called the Todd Milan Bridge in Nigeria to really raise social consciousness about the fact that people move along even when there's danger, when the kids are still mm. in, in, in hostility. Uh, also, another work I did around the, talking about violence against children, um, especially in terms of um, gender-based violence, was the work I did with the United Nations Women, uh, UN Women, in 2016, mm-hmm. where I had to use film theater to talk about uh, the, uh, a project called the E for She campaign by the UN Women. So I use Forum Theatre to raise social consciousness uh, among boys and men to become active participants and active advocates for gender uh, equality. So in that sense, I use Forum Theatre. Okay. In, in my work in the Northeast uh, part of Nigeria in the IDB camps, uh, sometimes I use Forum, sometimes I use role play, sometimes I use playback theatre, Sometimes I use applied improvisation. Sometimes I use improvisational theater. It's is determined by my aim, the aim of the process for me. So the aim of the process determines what tool uh, should be employed. Yeah. And of course, playback theater is therapeutic. So uh, it has a therapeutic effect on, on both the audience, the participants, the actors. And then so when I have to do with therapy or having people um, talk about, uh, open up and have conversation about issues they're dealing with, uh, I then employ the use of playback theater, which of course is still improvisation. Right. So in this, I mean, those are all really heavy, important topics that are part of the use of those tools. Is, Is that... Or what space is there for the use of improvisational theater 
just for fun is, I I mean, I I guess I kind of wonder where that fits in to the work that you do, if it does. Yes, it it does. Um, I just started using improv for fun. And one of the reasons why I I presently teach improv. Um, But for COVID, we would have started our monthly or if not weekly improv shows in Nigeria. My major aim uh, is to train young people, to train children to do improv. And the idea is that in the next 10, 15 years, they would have practiced improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, I currently work with, um, I, I'm on a project right now that is training over 200 children in Nigeria, um, including children from India, children from the US, from the UK, uh, and some other, about 10 other countries to do improv. But particularly my aim is to actually train young people in Nigeria to do improvisational theater. Uh, so with the goals and my partnership with schools presently, mm-hmm. uh, I currently run uh, in-school activities and theater clubs where I, I particularly teach improv to students. And then, like I said, but for COVID, mm-hmm. um, last year we were hosting uh, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Agu, um from from Canada. We're, also, we're supposed to host um, Patrick Schott from um, the US to work with the kids in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Our aim was to train a minimum of 100 kids and then um, certify them to do improv theater professionally last year. Then COVID happened, so we had to cancel mm-hmm. that and move online. So presently I'm working uh, with um, an average of 250 kids weekly in Nigeria, trying to train them. The goal is that by next year, October, if COVID allows, we would have raised at least 100 imp- professional improv actors among young people. Um, I also work with adults here in Nigeria. I, I, I train adults to do improv for, um, for performance sake. Yeah. And the, the idea is we, we, we just, mm-hmm. the organization I work for, uh, we've just invested into building a small space that we can use for theater, for improv theater and other theater classes. So mm-hmm. our aim is to have this community theater and have people coming to um, watch shows weekly or monthly. We're in the process of retraining, uh, recruiting and retraining actors to do improv professionally. Improv performance is something I have uh, grown to love, uh, apart from doing applied improvisation, but improv performance is something I'm training young people to really right. and do in Nigeria. And why do you think that's a worthwhile aim when you think about some of the other other things that you are focusing on? The unique thing about uh, practicing improv um, or focusing on that as a project for me is that uh, as much as I love scripted performances, improv theater brings out the magic mm-hmm. and creativity. And my aim, my main aim is um, creativity. Like I said, my focus has been young people. Yeah. My focus has been children, not because not because uh, I, I want it to be uh, a children affair. It's because these are the children that would train others in the next 10 years. So my focus is to train the trainers, right. train people who are going to now explore this. So in the next 10, 20, 50 years where... Uh, in the next 50 years where I'm still now, like, um, uh, I'm too old to, to train, 
I've already raised disciples. Right. Uh, yep. And then hopefully, like um, Patrick Short used to call me, uh, but then be referred to as the father of improvisational theater in Nigeria. Is, is there a, a, a let, me, let me ask it this way is there a, a local form of improvisational theater within Nigeria or any of the cultures within Nigeria? Yes, we improvise. A lot of people actually improvise in terms of improv comedy. Uh, people do um, uh, improv comedy, uh, one man show, comedians come in and improvise. But in terms of what we, we refer to, and I always have this conversation. So before I started saying, oh, I'm the only one that does improv in Nigeria because on record, I am the only one. It's also questions about to ask. I've met a lot of people who study theater, like I did study theater. I've met people who study theater in Nigeria, all over. I've also worked in Ghana. I've done trainings for, for um, students from the University of Ghana. And the unique thing I found, or the, the, the single thread I've found is that people always say, oh yes, I do improvise. I do improvisation. I always improvise in theater. Okay, let me give you an example. Um, there was a time I wanted to perform and I forgot my lines and I had to improvise. <laughs> So that's what people mostly tell you, <laughs> or they tell you what right. uh, the dictionary of Google uh, describe as devised performance. Devised performance, the idea of sitting down and saying, okay, let's talk about our performance. Um, let's script it down. So we're going to have four characters. You are going to be the police. You are going to be the chief. Okay, we don't have a line, but we have a storyline. We don't have a, a, yep. a script, but we have a storyline. So let's go on stage and they already know. But that's not the definition of improv. Yes. Improv is spontaneous, unscripted performance. Right. And on record and in practice, mm -hmm. I haven't come across any other um, company that does that in, in Nigeria. I guess I also wanted to ask the question. That's helpful. I also wanted to ask, though, whether there is, you know, like historically, like centuries ago, were there elements of this type of theater in the local cultures, or at least some of the local cultures, or is improvisational theater just completely new and unknown to the point that people don't even know to, to know that they're not doing that, <laughs> like you just described? Yes. Uh, so, of course, when you talk about improvisational theater in Nigeria, we we'll look at the the likes of the work of Ubat Ogunde, uh, Drew Oladipo, and a lot of other founders of the fathers of um, theater in Nigeria. Uh, most of them have places where they have to do improvisation in their theater. So I always love to emphasize on, on the term improvisation in theater. Ah. So historically, these forefathers of ours have actually done improvisation in theater. They've done even improvisation music. Even till date, there are a lot of musicians that uh, do improvisation music. So they have an idea of what they go to. When you go to parties in Nigeria, mm -hmm. most times you would hear improvisation, um, musical improvisation. But the key thing for, for, for this mm -hmm. kind of work is the principles of improvisation. Most people don't use the yes and, the listening skills, the collaboration skills, all the principles that make up improvisation mm -hmm. in theater, uh, improvisational theater. 
So people mostly, uh, I, I remember even when I was in school, mm-hmm. um, I did a course called voice improvisation. And we also did performance where we improvised the scene. Okay. Even when we don't discuss what we're going to do. So we just say, okay, I'm talented, we improvise the scene. But I, one thing I always tell people, especially my student, is it's not just about acting. Um, one of my teachers in theater, Shola Fosudo, used to say, everybody can act, but not everybody can perform. Hmm. Okay. What, what would be the difference between the two? The difference between the two, we're all actors. Life itself is a, is a stage. So we're all acting, but we're not yeah. all performing. What do you need to per- be a good performer? It depends on the kind of theater. So if, if to be a good performer in improv- improvisational theater, yeah. you need to uh, practice the yes ending. You need to listen. You need to make eye contact. You need to, to build, uh, to make and accept offers, build on other people's um, offers, and a whole lot of, uh, of those principles. But in cases where you think, oh, I'm doing improvisational theater and I come, I say, oh, you are a goat. I'm like, me? No, 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 I'm not a goat. Why would I be a goat? Why would you say I'm a goat? And you're saying, already saying no, thinking you're acting. Yes, you're acting, but you're not improvising. <laughs> yes, <All> right. <laughs> yeah, the goat role is never a good role, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but sometimes you got to be the goat, right? <laughs> um, when you are working with children, what do you see happening with the students that you work with in the course, you know, from, from where they start from to, to where they end up? What is the impact? I think one of the greatest impacts I've had to, I've discovered in the young people I work with, and even the adults, um, let's not forget the fact that I work with adults also. I work with teachers, I work with adults. Right, adults. right. But one of the unique things I've discovered is the critical thinking and creative thinking skills of these kids. I've seen the growth okay. uh, in these kids. Uh, I have a bunch of them that uh, I started working with about two years ago. And today, I, I am proud to say that they, uh, they can, in their sleep, they can improvise. I've worked with four years old, Mm -hmm. I've worked with five years old, I've worked with six years old, who are great thinkers, who have been able to practice cues. I've had feedbacks from young people who say, "Uh, now because of improv, I get to listen more at home, I get to listen more to my younger ones or to my older ones. Because of improv, uh, I'm more creative. Uh, I've had kids who have um, dyslexia in my classes. And then in the space of two, three weeks, there has been impact, there has been feedbacks um, from from family members, from their parents who testify that they've seen changes. And I should also say this, that I am also dyslexic. And uh, improv has mm. helped me personally, and theater as, as, as a whole has helped me personally. That when I tell people, oh, do you know that I actually am a self diagnosed uh, dyslexic person? And uh, they say, no, no, that, that can't be true. You have a master's degree, you, you study a PhD. I'm like, well, I, 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 I discovered some symptoms and some right. things in me. So, uh, I've had young people who have been very, very, who have had to develop 
their social skills and also their communication skills. Who, who do you think are better students, uh, children or adults? I, I would say children, <laughs> uh, because adults are already baked. Uh, <laughs> we, we use the analogy of a dried fish for adults. So um, just a normal <laughs> fish that you have, when you dry it and you try to bend it, uh, it will break. But um, children okay. are fresh fish. Um, yes. You can bend them. You can mold them. They can learn and relearn and unlearn. They can ask questions. But adults see that as, oh, why would I have a theater and okay. then I wouldn't have a script? Why do I want to go and start making fool of myself? Yeah. And what if I forget my lines? Uh, why do I have to play games? Uh, yes, mm -hmm. I know that I can practice listening by playing games, but am I a child? Why do I have to play games? Mm -hmm. But kids naturally are, are, are natural <laughs> players. So what you're doing is you're having them uh, put their energy in a creative way, and that brings out um, the, 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 a good product. It's interesting as you raise awareness of improv generally, I think it does create some more opportunities. So if you're in a country like yours where there are so few people doing it, is it hard to to get attention for your work? Is it hard to get funding for your work? Is it hard to get an audience for your work? Um, it's hard to all the trees listed. It's really hard to get attention. It's really hard to get um, even an ensemble. It's also hard to get funding. Even for regular scripted theater, it's very hard to get funding um, in in my part of the world. Um, yeah. Also, it also hard to get a, a attention. So people would want to basically come and see uh, the William Shakespeare's uh, Romeo and Juliet because they already know that uh, it's scripted. They know that they know what William Shakespeare is. Then to come and see a play without mm -hmm. a name, without a title, uh, a performance without a title. Also, people don't feel safe. Yeah. Uh, it takes really takes uh, an effort for people to feel that I can come and tell my story in a playback theater performance. Um, however. One of the things I've learned and one of the things I've practiced is the fact that if the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago, the second best time to plant it is now. Right. So as much as we feel discouraged, it's important to know that someone has to start that journey. And this time around, the person who has started the journey is mm -hmm. me. Uh, in the next 10 years, more people will embrace it, and then uh, more people would, right. would would practice it. So I have kids where that really love improv. I have mm -hmm. kids that uh, are first time to improv. I'm like, can we do a scripted play? And I'm like, yes, we can do a scripted play, but can you just learn this first? <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it, it's, it's really tough, I have to be honest. Funding is tough. Uh, most times about yeah. to use my personal fund because it's a dream I believe in. I traveled all the way to Ghana to actually train students from the University of Ghana doing, to do improv and to do playback theater, funded myself. One of the, one of the goals I had for the 20s, uh, 2020 upward, uh, is to make sure that each year I visit at least 
two, one or two African nations where I can actually teach improve, improve and teach playback theater. Mm-hmm. But of course, because of COVID and because of funding, uh, I've not been able to achieve that dream. Mm-hmm. So hopefully one day uh, we'll get like minds where uh-huh. we're setting up an art hub, an art space right here in Nigeria and we hope that we'll be able to assess funding to to do some of these um, dreams. Because the goal, for, the goal for us is, I don't want to just set up improv in Nigeria. I want it to be in every of the 54 mm-hmm. Um, nations in, in Africa. Um, of course, South Africa is doing very well. We have mm-hmm. a couple of people who are doing uh, improve in South Africa and also who are doing playback theatre in South Africa. Right. Uh, but not much have uh, been recorded for West Africa and other parts of Southern Africa. So in the of Southern Africa, we have just um, South Africa and uh, one or two people in Zimbabwe, who most of them actually live in South Africa, not like they live in, though they are Zimbabwean mm-hmm. citizens. Um, but th- my goal personally is to make sure that um, I take improve to every doorstep. It's not been easy. It's sometimes discouraging. It's sometimes um, challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the dream will be achieved. Do you find it's helpful to have, I mean, you mentioned some uh, partners, influence friends from other improv communities and, and I guess, you know, and all other um, playback theater, et cetera, communities too. Is it helpful to your work or is it more important that it is somebody from an African nation going to another African nation to plant those seeds in the other the other communities i think uh for me we it we're a community so whoever does it doesn't matter the idea is that the dream is done so whether the person is an african an asian um mm-hmm. an american or an european doesn't really matter it is who is there i told you that um, last year i was supposed to bring some from canada and the u.s I brought people from Russia to Nigeria. I brought people from Canada to Nigeria. I brought people from Zimbabwe to Nigeria uh, in the past um, five, five, six years that we started work. Um, I think the only year that we couldn't bring anybody to Nigeria was last year because of COVID and we're planning to bring two people to Nigeria. Uh, And we had to fund that uh, most of the trip. Last year we had someone who was willing to fund his own trip down to Nigeria to support the work. Whoever yeah. does it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the idea that everyone, when we're, when we're looking at the map of improve around the world, we are not seeing less of a part of of, of a region or part of the world. And I, I, I wouldn't zero the mind, zero um, the, the, the idea that we have people do, doing improve, but of course, maybe most of them are not seen. Maybe most of them are invisible. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is that we need to support right them. and um it's also important for those of us the few of us who are who are down here in africa not to only expect people from europe or america to come and um support all the artists in africa we should mm-hmm. also make our effort um to support other artists and uh, we, we we and also get funding from those who are in, the, in Europe or America to support the work we do. But the first thing we should do is to start first. 
then other support can come in, fundings can come in, mm-hmm. people can come in to say, oh, you're going to you're going to Ghana next year. I would like to go to Ghana too with you. Can I come along? My one of my aim is um, like for for, the, for example, this year with the Children's Theatre Festival, which I run, uh, we have people coming in from 13 nations, facilitators from 13 nations, virtually. We have children from about 10 nations, India, Nepal, Australia, uh, all meeting online to do improv and to do playback theater and to do device uh, theater performances. And that's one of the vision for me to see where we can bring all the students together from around the world. And I think that's where the uniqueness of my work is. Most people center their work around adults. I center my work around raising the future improvisers. I know you early on were trying to find ways to to get participation for youth from around the world. I, that goes back to, I don't know, uh, April, May, June, somewhere in there of 2020. So very early on in the pandemic. And that, maybe we were doing some of that before, but in terms of the online approach to it, how has that gone to have you know children from all these different places participating online? What are those What are those workshops and experiences look like? I think it's been amazing. Throughout last year, we had kids from all over, particularly kids from India, Egypt, Israel, come up together online to rehearse, perform, play with other kids. I had several series of program alongside mm-hmm. in partnership with uh, the Global Play Brigade where I introduced the, the kids section of, of, of the play. Um, now they have weekly sessions from the Global Play Brigade run by Kati Salit uh, and a few of other um, brigaders from around the world. Uh, I think that move of working with children really worked. Um, like I said, presently with our Children's Theatre Festival, is still the uh, working on the dream of collaborating with other practitioners who work with children from all around the world uh, to be able to do this. So last year we had very awesome interaction. We had kids joining the online session and kids were able to make contact, build relationship. And uh, also presently that is ongoing. I was at one of the rehearsals online about a couple of days ago. And I think one of the feedback was um, that some of the kids were asking after their counterparts in 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 Nigeria, I have I have some of the sessions that run uh, weekly, presently right now, and then the kids actually know themselves, interact to themselves, say their names. So how are you doing? And that's and I believe after the old festival, these kids will still continue this relationship. And one of the other programs we we're supposed to work on last year, which I hope that after COVID we're able to go back to, is to get kids from Nigeria to on an exchange, a cultural exchange or uh, artistic exchange program, if I use that word, mm-hmm. out to other countries. Where we're at the peak of going to Latvia, a country in Eastern Europe, last year uh, before COVID nineteen stopped, and then. Hopefully, after uh, in, in the next couple of years, because of course that can happen this year because of the pandemic is still out there. We hope that the pandemic lifts up or, or is is uh, addressed as soon as possible, so that we can get back to the normal routine of connecting futures um, 
getting children from Nigeria to right. collaborate with kids from other countries, both in the US, Africa, and, and Europe, and Asia, and uh, Australia, and mm-hmm. Antarctica, everywhere. Can you describe what an improvisational theater show looks like that, whether it's children or adults, but just kind of, if you're going to put on an improvisational theater show, uh, what does that look like? Do you focus on comedy? Do you focus on short form, long form, a mix? Well, what what does that look like for you? Uh, presently for us right now, we've been focusing on, on short forms. Okay. I do not think... Um, the kids I work with are ready for long forms. Um, so presently, uh, we've, mm-hmm. we've really focused on short forms. I'm currently working with kids to to practice for a performance in a couple of weeks from um, July. And then our performances have been based on a selected um, short forms and games. Some of them borrowed from other practitioners. So one of the key um, yeah. um, short forms that we practice uh, is called Category Bow, which is something that I redesigned from the word Category Bow, Die. Uh, I had to adapt that from, from the oh, okay. Category Die. Uh, because, of course, when you use Die in, in the theater space in Nigeria and you, you, you shall die to, to someone's child, or to to even another person, they yeah. receive it. So culturally, uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, culturally appropriate. So we had to change it to uh, category. I think that's starting to uh, be recognized more and more. That uh, boy, we 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 could have a different word uh, or a different way to transition from one thing to the next. What other games do you find work? And I, and I ask both out of curiosity, but also wondering which games might be most universal. Uh, there's there's um, a game that also works with, for the kids, and they really love it. Uh, it's still it's challenging. Um, I, I played it on Saturday. It's the ABC, ABC to Z game where an actor, the, the actors actually follow the alphabetical order in rendering their lines. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really challenging, but it's something that really helps them to to practice their creative thinking abilities. Uh, so that's an exercise we use. I also love um, uh, the sing along, or oh, that sounds like a song. That sounds like a song is uh, one of the forms I learned from uh, Moko Theater in um, Schenectady, USA. That sounds like a song, the actors perform, and the director or the MC shouts, oh, that line sounds like a song, so you sing it out. And the actor acts to create a song on the spot. Mm-hmm. That's something I've had to do with the kids, and the, the audience really loved it. Um, I do not focus on comedy. Mm-hmm. I do not categorize myself as a comedian, but we all know that improv uh, has um, a huge sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it can purge comic relief, so that's that's open. My own aim is to look at the connection, look at the creative thinking skills, and then I think the comedy just comes naturally. Right. How how about from from the cultural point of view? How much do you find that you are weaving in Nigerian 
culture or individual cultures within Nigeria into performances. Is, is that important in your work or is it, is it more, um, I guess, generic than that? I don't, I don't know if that's the right phrasing, but. Basically, we, I, I try as much as possible to, just like the example I just gave you, having to dom- um, domesticate um, or adapt the game category about to Nigeria. It's a, it's a journey for me. Uh, one of the key things I look at is before I start to adapt a lot of cultural values into info, I need to pass the knowledge first. Uh, once the kids or the people I work with uh, are much more experienced in doing improv, they can then begin to adapt. Uh, because Nigeria actually has a, a huge number of um, cultures and how much of this can we adapt into it. Working locally with artists, I've had to, for example, when I was working in artists, I've had to really adapt because we had to adapt to some of their games and activities and the performance styles to their culture in the northeast. Uh, but in the city center where I where I live and where I do most of my work presently, most of the kids follow the British curriculum, uh, the American curriculum. Uh, uh, English is actually uh, official language in Nigeria. So uh, in, in the spaces I work, mm-hmm. we practice basically the use of English in, in our work, so in info. So it's easier to really, really evolve and go into it. But the aim is in the future, once these kids are grounded, once these uh, participants are grounded, they are able to then diffuse and then yeah. see what part of the culture would work or what, what cultural uh, activities or games can be um, used. I should also st- state this, that a couple of uh, months ago, I was invited to see an info show by a company that does a monthly hangout for youth. However, this, and that's the example I give about people saying, oh, I, I do info, I do info. Yes, I think in terms of cultural definition of info is different. My definition of info then goes back to the uh, book definition, the Google definition, the Western definition of improvisation of theater. So in their own info show, mm-hmm. they would play back a scene from uh, a movie and then have the volunteer actors mm-hmm. uh, reenact that scene back. So they already have a material mm-hmm. by playing back that performance, that uh, movie, and the actors just improvise based on the materials they've seen. So that's another thing you can see okay. about or people doing info in Nigeria. And not just in Nigeria, like I said, in Ghana, in Zimbabwe, and everywhere you get to, there's this idea of improvisation, which is not a Western definition. Now you said that English is the official language, and it sounds like the primary, maybe sole language that you teach in, but how... How much, because uh, there's a lot of languages in Nigeria, how often is English someone's first language? English is the official language. I wouldn't say it's also the first language, but it's the first language because it's the unifying language. It's the language that everybody is expected to speak. But uh, in terms of mother tongue, everyone has a mother tongue. Yeah. I have a mother tongue, which is Yoruba. 
and my wife has a mother tongue which is Yoruba but uh, the Yoruba I speak is totally different from the one that uh, they speak in my wife's state. So within the same city, an example within, within New York State, the New Yorkers, the New York City uh, people speak a different English. The Albany people speak a different English. The Schenectady people speak a different English, the uh, Rhode Island people speak a different English, the Boston people speak a different English, but it's still called English, if you get my analogy well. Right. Yeah, so it's the same state yes. or the same culture yeah. or the same, but there's a diversity, there's a diverse uh, way of, of speaking for each person. So that's what we only have um, one English and one pidgin English, which is like called the street English. But the mother tongue in your classes might be multiple mother tongues within within any one class is that right no no no. yeah within one in terms of people basically yes in terms of uh, yeah the students would have yeah, different yeah. ones the student will have uh, different ones yes. but they would be in english so I, I guess my question maybe you just navigate this naturally because of the prevalence of the official language, but does the fact that it is not always primary or the first language, it's not the mother tongue for people, does that present challenges in performance um, amongst students or, or, or not so much? No, that's why I say that uh, the mother tongue is not the official language. It's not, it's not primarily spoken. So we have a lot of people who are Yoruba, for example, who don't even understand Yoruba. Because in school, you're expected to speak English. Uh, officially, you're expected to speak English. Uh, to buy for any political position, you're expected to speak English. So even though you speak uh, maybe uh, 250 other uh, languages in the same country, mm-hmm. but the official language mm-hmm. uh, for Nigeria is uh, English, British English, to precise. Yeah, you use the U's and color, and yes. theater is R E at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that type and of then, British yeah. English, right? Yes, and then uh, of course, um, I I know that my work is going to get to the stage where we would start having to practice. For example, if I work in the northeast. I wouldn't use English. I would use Pigeon. Mm, okay. uh, and then I would get a translator because the pace would then determine what, what they understand English, but they feel more comfortable within their the local languages or the national language. Yeah, the local languages, basically. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, Dami Lola, I know you have been very uh, active. At least it seems to me that you have been a very present on the global improv scene. And I think you have a sense of the world of improv from a unique vantage point. What do you think is going to be important for the improv community to focus on, especially as we start returning to in-person performances? How do we do better as a global improv community going forward? What is my hope for the improv community when things get back to normal? One of my hopes will be support for diversity. And I I did not say respect for, I said support for. Support for inclusion, both 
in all areas of inclusion, the black and people uh, of color, the POCs, and uh, to be part of the improved community. Uh, presently on the map of the improved community, we've had the Western communities are actually are the dominant part of, of the improved community, Europe and America. I think that what would be more successful for the community going forward is the support for other other communities, the Asians, the Africans, the other parts of the world that are are not um, currently being practiced. And that has to do with every other thing in when you do conferences, when you do trainings, we must support the communities that know that pay $1,000 for a training or for a conference for an American, for an European might be easy, yeah. but not for someone from other parts of the world where $1,000 means a whole lot. So how much support do we give uh, to those communities to be able to accommodate more people in the space? The space is large enough. There's a lot of, there are a lot of communities that are yet to be conquered. So how do we support all these communities to be part of what we do? Uh, what what role do you see online improv playing going forward, even even if uh, we're on the other side of the pandemic in full? I think the online performance has come to stay. I started an online theater company last year with um, another about 10 people from other nations. We have people from India, from the US, from the UK, from Italy from um, Lebanon, from Malaysia on the on the theme. About seven countries. Uh, we meet every Tuesday, online every Tuesday to rehearse and we perform at least once in a month for larger communities. That's one of the benefits of the online world. Uh, most of these people have never met each other before. I just posted online that I wanted to do something around playback for playbackers and I was asking for volunteers and a couple of people came in and joined in and that has become a full-fledged company, virtual company, which even after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, we, although we would not also, we shouldn't forget the fact that people get tired of online also. At this point, people are tired of online performance. I personally am tired of online performances. I'm tired of online work. Right. People, it gets to a stage whereby people are just, they've had enough and they want to do something else. So uh, online would stay because it gives the opportunity for you to perform in the US and then have audience in Nigeria. I did my wedding, I had an online performance by uh, Comedy Spot Portland. They performed for, from the US, my wedding was in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And that was the joy of online. Mm -hmm. um, it wouldn't have been possible if there was no virtual performance. So I know that online performances will stay, online conferences will stay. Uh, we would reduce the trips, we reduce the physical contacts. However, we're all social being that we need to move around. We want to move around and we have to move around. So it will stay and uh, mm -hmm. a couple of people would embrace it. Some people would move on. I think there's there's a, there's a lot to be inspired by the work that you're doing, Dami Lola, and I think it's you know an hour is not enough time to really get get a window into that uh, fully. 
but I, I hope people do follow what you're you're doing. I think you have a, a lot to share, and the fact that you are planting trees, not just in your own backyard, but in other places um, that don't have improvisational theater as, as part of their experience, I think is uh, inspiring in and, in and of itself. So I just, you know, I want to thank you for sharing what you have shared and what you're doing and uh, for being an important part of the global improv community, even though sometimes you're at kind of an outpost, it sounds like, um, but we can support each other and uh, we'll find a better world on the other side. And in 10 or 15 years, if nothing else, we'll have several hundred uh, disciples, <laughs> is the word you used, from the work that you're doing. So... Any last words, Dami Lola? If you were if you were to say something to the to the global improv community beyond what you've already said, a- anything you would leave us with? I would say that um, keep saying yes, keep doing what you're doing, keep supporting one another, keep building a world that is different, and then let's continue to take it a step at a time and make the change the world uh, requires. I think that's um, enough to be said. Yeah, that's a good word. And thank you for doing your part to change the world too through improvisational theater and so much more. And uh, I know we'll stay in touch. And thank you again for the time. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. And I am grateful that I got to spend this minute with you. Thank you. There is so much to say yes to in this episode. I love the focus on raising up the next generation of improvisers and sharing the benefits of improv with communities that haven't been exposed to it, particularly on the African continent. Supporting African improvisers and the spread of improv to new nations will benefit the global improv community as a whole. There was a brief comment, but I've been reflecting on Damilola's feeling that the spreading of the skill set first has advantages. No doubt there's a right way or at least better ways to do so without crowding up the local cultural expression with newer improv communities, but I suspect we are likely to see some very exciting things coming from Africa in the next years to come. The trees Damilola are planting today will no doubt bear much fruit. I also note that Damilola mentioned a number of times the importance of the goals he has for whatever he does. There are certainly a number of projects he mentioned that have pretty intense objectives and goals. At the same time, there are also goals that might seem less heavy, but have their own impact in building community, expanding curiosity and communication, and more. Improv and comedy and theater of a variety of types are tools that can be employed for many positive purposes. Perhaps having a fuller toolkit like Dami Lola has built up over the years might be a useful goal for any performer and communicator who wishes to impact others for good. Do visit the episode webpage to find ways to link and keep up with what Dami Lola is doing by visiting improvcomedyconnection.com. Also, check out Playback Nigeria, which he founded, and support the many efforts both within Nigeria and internationally that he's involved in. If you would, please also take the time to rate and subscribe to this podcast on your platform of choice and write a review. It's a simple thing, but it does have an impact and is really an encouragement. Even if you won't take the time to do this for this podcast, do it for another. You'll be more encouraging to your favorite podcast host than you might realize, and it really does help others find good podcasts. Thanks for spending time with me, Witt Schiller, your loving host who just thinks the world of you. 
I'm an improviser out of Milwaukee with Fish Sticks Comedy. You can check us out at fishstickscomedy.com and you can connect with me on social media at Witchiller on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also go to witchiller.com for additional content and resources to help you in your comedy or communication journey. Thanks again for tuning in to the Improv Comedy Connection.